And today we're going to talk about contentment because this First uh, Timothy 6, verse 6, every time I read it, throws me for a loop. I really feel convicted every time I read it. But So we're going to talk about contentment today. And uh, I want to start off by showing you this picture. Now, that's, those are two uh, Rottweiler puppies. One is four months old and one is six months old. And that's my son, Joe, uh, helping me out there with it. And uh, those are not his dogs. They belong to my other son, but, you know, they're, they're not, they don't seem to understand that they're not lap dogs anymore. They, they just uh, pile on there and they make sure that if there's anything that smells like food in my beard, they're going to clean it out. And uh, it's kind of fun to walk into the house with all foam in your beard from the dogs, you know, but it's, uh, they're just kind of cool dogs. You know, I, and I, I really like other people's dogs as long as I don't have to take care of them full time myself. That's fine. But, you know, these dogs, uh, one is Floyd, by the way, named after Pink Floyd, and the other one is Fred, and I don't know why he's named that. But what I've observed about these dogs is that they're con perfectly content as long as they got a full belly and there's someone near them that they trust. Then they are so content, they, they'll take naps and, and, you know, they're just really content. Some people are like that too. You know, you get a full belly and a couch and they're happy. You know, especially if there's someone else in the room that they like, it's, it's a good thing. And I admire that quality because I don't have it. You know, I have to be getting things done. I can't sleep if I've got an unfinished task list. And quite often, I have an unfinished task list. I have to get things done and I make a list and complete it. Well, then I'm content. But my discontent comes when I can't get things done. Now, we all kind of have things like that that steal our contentment from time to time. You know, for me, it's getting things done. If I have an unfinished task list, it'll, it can literally drive me nuts. You know, there, I have 20 specific steps to prepare for Sunday. And each one of these crosstalks that I do, I rewrite three times. Now, that's obsessive. But I've been doing that for many, many years. Like this uh, task list that you see up on the screen is the one that I have just for Sundays. And once I've got those crossed off, everything done on that, then I can take a nap. But I can't rest until I've got that done. And there's another task list for home. You know, it's kind of a honeydew list. Uh, many of us have those too. But those lists have to be done. Now, for some people, that's not a problem, getting things done. They're not content if they're not getting enough attention. You know, some people will say, well, nobody's paying attention to me. What's going on? And so they'll do things to get attention. When I have my office at home, faces out on Dykstra Road, and every once in a while I see this, these big old pickups come running by. With, it sounds like they don't have mufflers on them, and the tires are about this high. It's kind of like they're riding by saying, look at me, give me some attention here. And I, you know, just think, okay, whatever. And... Uh, or there's people who try constantly to be funny in a group or dominate conversations. This need for attention seems to rob people of contentment sometimes. And then for still others, 
there's this thing about getting along with everybody. They can't rest if they think someone is mad at them. I don't understand that at all because I don't really care if somebody's mad at me. You know, that is, is a big deal for a lot of folks. And I've had it here. I've had it lots of different places where somebody will come up to me and say, are you mad at me? I said, well, I wasn't until you asked me that question. You know, it just kind of goes that way. And uh, they work hard to get along with everybody. They, there's some personal insecurity that drives that or something. I don't know what it is, but it works that way. And then still for other folks, they don't find contentment unless they're getting everything right. Everything has to be clean. I knew a woman who one time was leaving her home. Her and her husband were going to ride with me somewhere. She had to run back into the house a minute. I thought, what in the world is going on here? Well, one of her mirrors in her living room wasn't clean, and she had to quick wipe that off before she could leave the house for the day. So you have to get things right. I've seen people who, with three leaves on their lawn, they'll get their leaf bangers out and suck those up every day. I think just you know, leave the leaves lay until springtime, and half of them blow the neighbors anyway. But um, that doesn't always work. I've seen people who have to have absolutely spotless cars, and I don't have to have that, you know. Talking to someone recently, they said, you know, you can get this coupon and get your car washed. I said, well, why wash them in the summertime? You know, the only time I wash my cars is in the winter because I don't want them to rust. Because that, you know, lowers the resale value. I never wash a car in the summertime because I don't care if it's dirty or not. The purpose of a car to me is to get me from point A to point B, and I don't care if there's stuff on it. But for some people, that's a really big deal. They have to get things right at all times. And we all fit into one of these categories. You know, it's get it done, get attention, get along, or get it right. And those categories can steal our contentment. They can make life miserable for us because we want to be content. You know, this being happy, well, that's kind of giddy stuff. and That just doesn't work after a while. I don't care about being happy, but I want to be content. I don't want to be restless and all that. I want to be chill as people younger than me say it. Or as my ancestor said, I want to be gezellig which is an untranslatable word from Dutch, but it pretty much means chill. How do we do this? How do we find contentment? Well, Paul, the apostle, you know, who wrote half of the New Testament, wrote letters to a young protege, a future church leader by the name of Timothy. And a couple of his letters made it into our Bibles, and they're very good. And there's one verse that always grabs my attention. It's from his first letter to Timothy. It's in chapter 6, and it's this verse right here. It says, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Now, I've had this plastered on the wall of my office for years. I need to look at it almost every day. Now, I don't like it that they use the word godliness in there. Is that, you know, what does that mean anyway? You know, it's... Hard to figure that one out. So, of course, I had to go in and look at the Greek words, the actual Greek word that that is translated from. And most of the English translations use that word godliness. I wish they wouldn't. 
but it comes from the word Eusebia in Greek. And it has several meanings to it, but one is reverence. It means to revere something, to respect it highly, or to be devout and respectful, to be obedient, to serve willingly. I liken it to reporting for duty, is how I would translate it. But, you know, they use the word godliness, but that, I think that's truly what it means. And with this godliness comes contentment. And contentment comes from another unusual Greek word. It's, uh, and I got to make sure I pronounce this right, autarkias. And Paul uses this word in one other place, and that's Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, it's not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. Same word for content there, autarkias. So it seems that we can, if we draw from Paul, that if we present ourselves to God, reporting for duty, and then doing it, we'll be content. We'll be satisfied with our lives. Doing what God wants us to do and then being who he wants us to be results in contentment. Now Paul goes on in this Timothy passage with a quote that you hear all the time, or you hear often, most people don't know it comes from the Bible. And it's this quote here, it says, where Paul says, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Now his admonition here is for us to not get hung up on piling up stuff. We can't take anything with us except our character except who we develop ourselves into being in this life. We can't take anything else with us. I thought about that. You know, we sold my mother's house about a year ago. All kinds of stuff in there. My dad has a collection of ink pens that he collected from, you know, various companies give them away. There's over a thousand pens in there. What in the world do you do with a thousand free pens? You know, so, but he had a little case made for him. He had it hanging on his wall. So I took it. It was kind of fun explaining to my granddaughter that this was her great-grandfather's collection of pens. But what in the world am I going to do with it? You know, it just sits in my basement now. And I have my own uh, collections of things. I have an extensive collection of classic rock and blues CDs. I went through, you know, I pushed a little button on Apple Music find out how much I have in there. I have 738 albums. I have, that comes to 7,960 songs. And I have two albums on order. Quite excited, the new Stones album's coming out next week. And Chris Stapleton's got one coming out in November. Now what's gonna happen to those CDs when I'm gone? You know, my kids will probably be going through my basement and say, oh, what's this? And they'll probably all end up in a dumpster somewhere. I did have somebody from the first service ask if he could be put in my will, however. But it is, uh, you know, what do you do with that stuff? You can't take it with you. I just hope that Keith Richards is in heaven so I can still listen to him once in a while. He'll probably still be alive. Um, but it is true. The only thing that we can take with us is our character. 
everything else stays behind. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, Jesus tells a story. It's a parable of this guy. He was a farmer, and he had these abundant crops. So he put them in his barn, and his barn wasn't big enough. So he built bigger barns so he could store more of his crops. And an angel comes and talks to him and says, You fool, tonight you're going to die. What's going to happen to all this stuff? So Jesus points out to us too that we can't take it with us. And I recommend you read Luke chapter 12 today if you want just for, to check up on this. It's a good thing. So then Paul concludes this section from Second Tim, our First Timothy by saying this. He says, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Because then we'll have enough to report for duty and we'll be able to be content. I look at this thing, enough food and clothing. You know, I've got two freezers. One's unplugged now because I stored the meat for last Sunday in it. And I'm so cheap that the minute it's empty, I unplug it. But the other freezer's full. It's going to take me a long time to empty that thing. And we've got a pantry that's full. Although I've noticed that the Oreo cookies don't stay in there very long. But, you know, I can, I can live a long time on what I've got stored in my house. And then with clothing. I lost a little bit of weight, not much, but I needed to clean out a closet in the basement. And I found at least 10 Hawaiian shirts. Now, and, that's, and there's a bunch of other clothes in there. I won't live long enough to wear those clothes out. So I should be content, you know. The point is, if you want to be content in life, report for duty. Pursue God's will for your life and you will be content. You'll find life to be very satisfying. When I practice this, and I don't always practice it, but when I practice it, it works. It works for me and it'll work for you. The preamble of the Declaration of Independence of the United States says that we all have a right to pursue life, liberty, or we have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't really care about happiness. You know, that's, that's fleeting. What, what's happiness, you know? Uh, I want to go beyond that. There is a deep human need for contentment. And you can have it, and I can have it. We have to figure out what God is asking us to do and then do it. And then we find amazing contentment. I think God is asking you and me to maybe give something up or do something different with our time. You know, if you give something up, it falls in one of these four categories of obsessive desires. You know, give up trying to get everything done or get up give up trying to get all the attention in the room or give up trying to get along or give up trying to get things right all the time instead do something else something that involves serving there's a lack of contentment is probably a sign that you're doing something wrong lack of contentment means that your goals are probably not aligned with God's will for your life you know, for me, my compulsion to get things done, I have to pray and ask God what he, what he wants me to get done. 
And then my list changes. And it does so every time I ask. See, contentment is within your grasp and within mine. And you lose so much anxiety when you do this because you know what God wants you to do. The important thing that I've learned with all this and with years of going through 1 Timothy is that contentment is always a choice. And lack of contentment pretty sure means that we're outside of God's will. You know, it's like pain. It's a natural response. You know, you, you feel bad sometimes. You know, if you've got a sore throat and a headache, your body's telling you there's something wrong. You need to do something about that. Or worse pain. Or it's like the pain you feel when you hurt somebody with your words or your actions. Or it's like the pain you feel when you're ripping somebody off. You know, it's that lack of contentment, I think, is God's way of sending some messenger to you to say, hey, you need to make a change. You have this uneasy feeling. And I think that uneasy feeling is God speaking to you. And he'll show you what to do about it. And when you do it, you will be content. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, there's not a person in this room or a person listening to this video who's going to say to you, no, I don't want to be content. We all want contentment. And you offer it to us practically on a silver platter. All we need to do is turn toward you and let you direct our lives. So give us the wisdom and the courage to do that. Amen.